Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Approximate Podcast. My name's Jamie French, and with me, as always, is <clears throat> Orion, Sir, Quest. Orion Quest. No goof this week. You know why? <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started. Shh, shh, shh. We have a very serious subject that we're going to be talking about today. Very serious. Do you know what it is? No. You've read the script. <laughs> yes, I still don't know. <laughs> we are talking about some of the best fight scenes in movie history. Yes, very serious subject. A subject that I don't know a whole lot about. Orion, you're kind of a connoisseur of the old fight scenes yeah. in movies. You're a fan of action movies. Fan of action movies, fan of combat fight scenes, stuff like that. Because I'm so ill-equipped, I thought it might be a good idea to, um, to kind of bring an expert on board. Okay? Um, so this is a very special show and everybody's listening is in for a real treat. And it's such an honor to have this guest that we're having on the show. Um, okay. So you people are listening at home. You might know him, um, from, I don't want to say his name yet because this is so cool that we have him on. I build a little drama, a little suspense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, okay. So. He is an independent director of action films. Let's see. You might know him from movies such as Swamp Zombies, Curse of the Wolf, Fist of the Vampire, Warriors of the Apocalypse. I'm going to keep going. Wendigo, Bound by Blood, Ninja, don't, don't Prophecy stop, of Death. I'm not stopping. There's so many here, and they're fucking awesome. Uh, <laughs> Bridal Party Massacre. Fuck yeah. Skull Forest, Blood Mercury, Angel of Reckoning, Hell's Cat Revenge. Ladies and gentlemen, you may have already seen him on Red Letter Media as well. The great, the one, the only, Lynn Kabazinski. Thank you. Welcome to the show. Hey. <laughs> thanks for having me. This is the, yes, I am Len Kabasinski. Uh, thanks for having me. A uh, lot of fun. I appreciate the intro. That might be the most uh, grandiose uh, intro <laughs> I've ever had, or, or or in the in the top couple. We'll put we'll put you in the top couple. Uh, we'll take it. Nice. Well, and you know what? Uh, according to the uh, IMDb, uh, that's not even the complete list because, and, and we'll get to it towards the end of the show. But you, there's there's more stuff coming. Uh, well, you know, if it's on the IMDb, it's 110% official <laughs> and uh, actual, <laughs> which means it's completely not factual. Uh, I got new stuff coming. Is, is we're speaking here. I mean, yeah. like 10 minutes ago, I was doing closed captioning for my latest film, Blood Prism. Nice. Uh, which funny uh, juxtaposed to this episode here that we're doing. Uh, Blood Prism is not a fight movie. It is like a dark comedy horror type film. There are no fight scenes in it. Oh, wow. However, wow. if you hate it, <laughs> if you if you hate Blood Prism for whatever reason, it, it's a uh, uh, we'll go into it later. But uh, well, it was uh, IMDb's fault it, because it was not uh, factual. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, I cut again, you off. it goes back to. <laughs> that's released february 20th to amazon prime and stuff so look for blood prism but if for those that hate it and want to see uh fight scene action oriented len hellcats revenge is released just a couple weeks later it's going to be out all over the place walmart family video you know nice. it. it's uh, out all over the place so the, oh so hellcats, hellcats isn't even uh, released yet it's it's about to come out yeah it's about to okay come out. okay March 13th is the street date 
Oh, okay, okay. Because I'm just going on. I guess that's a production date. Is it 2017? Okay, I got you. Yeah, technically, yeah, it was done, ready to roll, signed oh. to the distributor in 2017. Okay. Uh, and then they sat on it for a few months here. And actually, they did some, uh, I guess, I don't know, emergency. I put that in quotations, uh, ADR for it. Uh, so uh, Matt Smith, who had worked with me on ADR stuff before, went through and did some things. And I guess it's something that there's a Netflix potential for it, that kind of thing. Oh, um, no. I know you people nowadays say Netflix and it's like, oh, my God, so cool. Netflix really doesn't pay anything. So it's like, uh, you know, it's cool it's, to get on Netflix for the exposure. Exposure. Stuff, yeah, it's Netflix. an exposure deal. It's, it's well, really all Netflix is good for. Well, sir, best of luck. And I do want to I do want to get into your your um, upcoming projects and things you're working on. But uh, do, do you mind if we go ahead and dive right into the meat of this show? Are we ready to talk it. about our favorite fight scenes in movie? <laughs> Here's the deal. I'm uh again, I I'm not the biggest action fan of the world. I definitely appreciate it. I definitely appreciate all the hard work that goes into a, a properly filmed and choreographed fight scene. I really do. Uh it's just it's not the type of thing I pay attention to. But luckily, my co-host here loves it eats it breathes it so what i want to do is just so the audience knows the way we set this up is that each person on this show me orion and len we all have three picks so we're just kind of got to go we're going to go in a circle and we're going to start with my man here orion because he, he he wanted to do this so bad and he wanted to have you on the show so bad len <laughs> so we're going to we're well, gonna. We're, I'm already. I'm already a fan because I know not only do you do direction and, and and choreography, but I believe you're you're actually a martial artist yourself. You do. You do have a uh, few belts and a few dif disciplines. Is that correct? Yep. 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 Uh, I'll be going for uh, hopefully next year. Uh, sooner than later, obviously, in this year is uh, um, I'll be going for my fourth degree black belt. So um, I still compete here and there. Um, I won Pennsylvania Karate Rating Association state titles in fighting and nice. kata last year. So I, com I competed enough to compile enough points, and I won enough to compile enough points to take home those titles. So uh, nice. as a 43-year-old man now, I can still I can still do it. <laughs> I train at uh, every week at uh, Team TKO uh, here in Erie, Pennsylvania, uh, under Master Instructor Brian Arrington. So uh, I'm still fighting 18-year-old champions, and I'm a 43-year-old nice. man. And they don't want to see me fight. So, uh, so they get in the ring with me, and I'm I'm, a, I'm still a feared guy at 43 years old. So uh, mm -hmm. I can still <clears throat> kick to the head and stuff like that. So, nice. <laughs> but, uh, nice. As you should be, sir. Uh, okay, Orion. So here's what we're gonna do. You start off with the. It, these aren't going in any real particular order. So just uh, name your first one, and let's let's start this ball rolling and see where we go. Let's see. Your first pick. My for first pick is gonna price. be um. Killer Be Killed from 1980. Killer Stars of Gabba. Oh, you oh that I knew it. I knew you do that movie. <laughs> okay, wait. So Killer Be Killed, the director is uh Ivan Hall, uh, who's been directing films from like 1967 yes. to 1988. Uh also has movies uh Vengeance Cops, uh Funeral for an Assassin. Kill and kill, kill again. again. Yeah. Kill and kill again. That's the sequel. Yeah. That's the sequel. So break down this movie. That poster is sitting about <laughs> 10 feet over here. <laughs> nice. 
my, nice. my, my kill and kill again poster. It was my gift to myself last year when I <laughs> bought my new house here. And um, yeah, it's one of my all time favorite taglines on the poster. He is not one of the best. He <laughs> is the best. And that's like my favorite tagline for a movie. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. Um, Only the best can. <laughs> um, just a quick runoff. Um, the, the main character is named Steve Chase. He's played by a guy named James Ryan. He's uh, he travels to the desert for what he believes is an Olympic style competition. Actually, it's this uh, ex Nazi general by the name of Baron von Rudolph. If that's not a bad dude's bad, bad character, I don't know what it is. Um, anyway, he was mad because in the let me see on this. Yeah, he was mad that the Japanese team beat his um, German team in the 1936 Summer Olympics, and um, he wanted to take revenge over that. So he uh, invited the trainer of that team by the guy, by, by the guy, a guy by the name of Biagi to put some fighters together, come out to the desert, and we're going to have an Olympic-style fight. When Ryan gets out there, he finds out that these are, these are duels to the death, and he wants no part of it. Yep. Hold, now, on, hold on a second, Ryan, real quick. Yeah. If, yeah. if if that didn't win your viewers over, your <laughs> listeners over now, you, you they will never be friends with me because that's like the best synopsis ever to a movie. So I just wanted to interrupt and make sure that no, I please. still watch the damn movie because. Yeah, please interrupt. Yeah, we want to have a discussion here, but I just wanted I just wanted him to get through the synopsis because his. Remember, this is favorite fights. So let's actually get to let's get to the fight. The let's get to the fight, fight that you love so much. It's a special well, one. <laughs> well, there are many, as you already know, there are many fights in the movie. There's the there's the climactic fight scene at the end. There there's many different fights, but the the best way to introduce his style was um, one of the characters. I believe his name was Vigo. He was a he was a small guy. All right. Had a had a had a friend that was a puppet, a hand puppet that um that they've been through vaudeville and circuses together. And he gets picked on by some of the um martial arts guys there. They run and chase him and take his doll away. And out of nowhere, <laughs> out of nowhere, just <laughs> it's not a, it's chase. not a doll. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's not a doll. It's, it's an, an action, action figure. figure. <laughs> We're bad. <laughs> We're bad. Um, <laughs> so bad. Anyway, out of, out of nowhere, he's 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 the um the, the the little man is getting his ass handed to him. When out of nowhere, um, Steve Chase jumps into the picture and starts throwing down. He throws he throws down. Even especially even especially move. I don't know if you call it kung fu, but it's actually where he's in a stance and he'll whistle. You remember that? I remember that. <laughs> oh, I got some great, great comments for this guy's choreography. So. Oh, please, please take it over. Let's let's hear. Oh, I am a humongous James Ryan fan. Humongous okay. James Ryan fan. And, and and really, after Kill or Be Killed, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I mean, America was was calling to come be an action star, mm -hmm. and he pretty much said, "Screw it, I'm staying in South Africa, where I'm from and live." And he had. I guess not a lot of desire to come live over here and work. So um, through the years, you see all these South African productions, which Killer Be Killed was, um, 
he keeps popping up. Uh, Space Mutiny, not to get sidetracked, but a legendary <laughs> oh, bad B boy. movie. Yes. James Ryan is in that, and it was filmed in South Africa. So he pops up in these films throughout, you know, South Africa's like action oh. movie history in the seventies and eighties. But uh, anyways, yeah, I will. I will. I will link to a film we're not going to talk about too much here. But Jim Cotta, if you look at Steve Jim choreography, he was Jim Cotta before Jim <laughs> Cotta came out. Hell Steve yeah, his choreography is packed full of backflips and just crazy <laughs> shit. I mean. It, Take aside the pummel horse scene and those kind of that kind of <laughs> right, gymnastics right. level stuff, but I mean in right. terms of the backflips and all that stuff that Steve Chase does or or wow. you know, actor James Ryan does in the film, he very much has has a Jim Cotta style. Uh, if you watch him, you know in that fight scene, it's not like he's doing like Northern Shaolin Kung Fu. Right. He's no, not he's... doing ish uh, Tang Sudo. Right. He's in the uh, air a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or, you know, a, a Lauren Avedon's Taekwondo style or something like that. He's doing none of that shit. He's doing basically Jim Cotta. <laughs> so. Wow. You're right. You're absolutely right. Now that I think back on the scene. <laughs> absolutely. That but was a palm to the back of the head while performing a one and a half twist over a dude. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Come on. What was, what, is that what that was? Was that your favorite move from the fight? <laughs> oh, he 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 crushes it in the climactic fight of the movie. He uses that move again. That's supposed to be oh, his yeah. signature. That's his Mortal Kombat go-to power move. To, <laughs> that's his fatality move. My, my favorite. My favorite move was the Henry yeah. That, that's Reaver the one screen. where you have to hit left, left. This <laughs> <laughs> yeah, move there would be the the uh, the left, left, right trigger, left, 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 and hit a bunch of buttons, and he does that move. So yeah. <laughs> so it's the fight with the it's the not the fight with the little person, but the fight that was instigated. Because of because they were yeah. picking on the little person, right? Right. So everybody, right. go yeah. check that out. You can find that on YouTube. Really, it's a classic. It's really, a classic. Easy. If yeah. You're... It, both movies are super, super awesome. If, if okay. people check out the um, uh, the uh, kill and kill again, it's not so much. Uh, of course, there's fights and stuff in it, but if, if they're looking for all out fight scenes, it's the one you'd mention, Orion. It, it's the killer be killed is the movie you want to see. Uh, kill and kill again is still good, but in terms of like an all out go to a tournament and just fight all fucking day in your movie. It's kill or be killed. So. You're correct, sir. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, Lynn, we're going to, we're, we are going clockwise. Uh, <laughs> it, that makes sense where we're sitting. Uh, so you're next. Okay. Let's, let's see what you, which, yeah. What's your pick? I am going to pick, and I'm not even looking at any items here. Cause I'm just going to sure. fly with this. Uh, my first pick is the ending fight scene. Maybe my fight scene, my favorite fight scene of all time. Oh my god! Uh, just in terms of gritty, realistic style fighting, uh, true to both forms of martial arts that both gentlemen are using. It is none other than 1983's Lone Wolf McQuaid, Chuck yeah! and David Carradine, <laughs> right at the end of the movie. There You've we got go. Classic. Pla the choreography, I really think, is flawless. Uh, I challenge everybody watch the ending scene because important when you're choreographing fights is you gotta you gotta pick moves and string together moves that you know your actors can pull off right and you're not going to ask david carradine to do some jumping steve chase backflip <laughs> maneuver when right. the actor you know it's not acceptable to double back then you got to remember getting into the 80s it wasn't acceptable for a lot of stunt doubles for fights anymore because guys started doing all their own stunts in terms of like fight work right and um we have well classic hard 
style Tang Sudo from Chuck Norris, which he did his whole career. He has yeah. a spinning back kick, his back fist, all that stuff. Those are I, I know a thing or two about Korean martial arts. So I got some experience there. And he's doing classic Tang Sudo there. And David Carradine does, which I believe is Northern Shaolin. I believe it's Praying Manus is what he's doing for most of that fight scene. Um, but uh, I challenge people when they watch it, the big thing is, is look at David Carradine when he's being hit. Yeah, because his acting is absolutely a plus plus. His face is contorting, his body <laughs> spinning around. I mean, it's hard to believe when you see David Carradine that he's not actually really getting, you know, right beat out of him for real. You know what I mean? Right. So, uh, uh, I think it's a great scene. Right. It really displays hard style Korean martial arts versus very fluent, water flowing Northern Shaolin right. style. Uh, I think it's a great right. fight. Uh, there's not it's not a fight where you're going to see the guys just hockey punch each other in the face 35 times and or get kicked without bleeding 50 times in the head. I mean, it's really a, a lot of just real realism in, in, in the fight. That's why I love it. And that speaks to David Carradine's acting, because there is uh, there's a little bit of trivia here. Apparently, Chuck Norris said of David Carradine's martial arts, he said, and this is a quote. um. He said that David Carradine is every bit as good a martial artist as I am an actor. What do you what do you think of that? I I think it was probably a left-handed compliment that <laughs> David probably you got to remember uh you know uh Chuck Norris was training with Bruce Lee and, yeah. and that stuff. So David Carradine is always going to be seen as the guy that stole kind of the role from Bruce Lee. And being a big yeah. karate guy myself, though, here's what I have to say about that. And I don't hate Bruce Lee movies. Right. Being a producer of movies, if I had the choice of who I would have picked to play Kung Fu, Bruce Lee or David Carradine, I will go on record as saying I would have picked David Carradine because the acting complexities of that character Bruce Lee could not have handled. I'm sorry. It, it, as, as an actor, pick Bruce Lee's best movie and then look at David Carradine in something like Bound for Glory, which was like an Oscar-nominated picture. You can't right. tell me that as an actor you can step in and say, you know. Right. I, I would pick him because of the acting complexities. It's a melodrama-type show, too. It's it, Kung Fu wasn't just a action program. You know, there was a lot of story development. Right character development in it uh so but but you also yeah, have there to, was a lot of heat between them yeah the, it, it sounds like there was based on uh all the research i've done but now if you're gonna pick uh carradine uh, for those uh attributes you're also gonna have to pick carradine from a certain period of time because in his in his later yeah, yeah. I, I i think you know what i'm talking about <laughs> Yeah, when, when we get into the late 80s, uh, into like the future force territory and stuff, those were not obviously glowing moments for his no. physique and his, his career and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know what? God bless him because as, as you got towards the end of his life, and I think everybody knows how that ended, um, he was looking pretty good physically in terms of like Kill Bill and stuff like that. No. He had hey, you know what? You know, it's it's easy to forget, but he actually, you know, if you have to go out, at least he did go out on a relatively high note. You know, there was that there was that really low spot there for a little while in his later career. Yeah, but then to, then to end on a to end on a Tarantino film, that's 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 pretty nice. That's pretty nice. Proper way out. 
it, it was a good way out for him. I, I like to see him kind of return to the spotlight a little bit. I think he's a talented enough actor. He, he deserved that. Yeah. Um, and really, if you go back, if anybody has the DVD to Kill Bill 2, I almost wanted to pick this fight scene just as, to be obscure. But right. the best fight scene in the whole series is pretty much deleted from both oh, no. films. Oh, David I think Curry, I know the one. The, it's the one with the sword, right? It's Michael Jai White versus David Carradine, and I don't. I think Michael Jai White doesn't appear at all. He only appears in the in the bonus features, right? In a deleted it, scene from part yeah, two. Didn't that fight happen? It was like in an alleyway or something like that. If, yeah. Am I thinking about it right? Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, amazing. For Kill Bill Two, it's in the deleted scenes. Yep. Fuck yeah. So, uh, so yeah, he went out on a on a good note. The Future Force period, although it, it's it's Cameron Mitchell ish fun to see him wasted all the time and being, <laughs> you know kind of weird and making some weird choices yeah. and stuff. But uh, overall, I mean, you know, I still love all those movies. I love Future Force. I, in fact, I've got a bunch of. I'm in my movie den here in my house here as I'm sitting here and yeah. I've got, you name it. I've got killer be killed and kill and kill again right there. I've got future force and future zone and evil tunes and uh, just a bunch of <laughs> shit over there. So, nice. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I really like lone wolf McQuaid. Uh, I didn't go too much into the synopsis. All you need to know is it's a Chuck Norris movie. It's probably his <laughs> best one in terms well, <clears throat> of, uh, of acting for him. It's probably Chuck's best movie and best character. Yep. it's very much a Walker-ish Texas. Yeah, Ranger-ish that's that's role. yeah, exactly. That that it it like kind of it really like firmly planted the, the seed of the, that whole series, yeah. that Walker kind of character. Totally. Yeah, uh, and, and there's a, some other legendary actors and actresses in the movie. Uh, Barbara Carrera, I think, is his love interest in it. Yes. Uh, obviously, David Carradine's the villain. Uh, L.Q. Jones, who I think just died recently, I think, oh. um, is in the movie. Uh, no, so there's, there's not to forget, not to forget Chicote. Good old Chicote's in there. Robert, Robert. I can't think of his last. I can't name. think of his name. But um, after uh, after he played, he played the um the um the the kid officer. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Robert Beltran. Beltran. Robert Beltran. Beltran. Okay. Yeah, he yeah, well, he, he, he plays the his uh, younger partner, I guess, officer mm-hmm. on the force there. Yeah, this car's got turbo. Yeah, turbo this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a great movie. Lots of cool scenes though. Don't just, don't just YouTube the ending fight, people. Go watch the movie; it's awesome. So, Wolf McQuaid. Welcome to my house, Yunda, Mister McQuaid. That's right, Mister McQuaid. <laughs> Mister McQuaid. What you okay. got? What you you know what? Me? I probably yeah. say that line. consistently throughout like my you know if i have people over my house i I quote that movie a lot nice stepbrothers and stuff like that i quote that a lot in my daily life it's it's not just the you know that you're tearing me apart lisa stuff around my house but i say that stuff a lot too but if it's not the room it's it's little quirky lines like that and i love the welcome to my hacienda mr mcquaid that's so nice so All right, so, I'm done talking about Lone Wolf no, You're up. No problem. I am up, and I'm going to do an easy one. I'm going to do an easy one. Again, uh, my three picks are a little odd, a little weird, um, because I'm, again, this isn't my necessarily my wheelhouse, the whole thing. So I was I was. That doesn't racing. mean you can't enjoy them. <clears throat> and Absolutely not. No, I, and I do. And I, I'm so lucky to have my co-host that can teach me these things. He fills in my gaps. 
You know, we have a good partnership here. And so I'm going to be watching a lot more of these movies now that we're actually talking about this. Uh, but to get on to my pick, uh, I picked a weird one. Um, these are favorite fight scenes. And the my first fight scene that I really love is hardly a fight at all. And that is um, from 1999's uh, Fight Club. Uh, but it's not any of the, it's not any of the cool fights that people might be thinking about. Oh no, no, no. Okay. So fight club, uh, everybody knows fight club directed by David Fincher. Um, uh, he's also known for such, uh, movies, uh, or such projects as, um, well, he did the, uh, uh, let's see, Bob T you drop music video. Uh, Rick for, Springfield. For Rick Springfield. Okay. Rick <laughs> Springfield. Al- he's, your job. he's also known for um doing Paula Abdul's uh straight up music video, um, <laughs> and uh, IMDb didn't pull up much else. <laughs> I didn't know either of those things, so I, I have learned something new today. So, so that's that's all we know about David Fincher. But also, he uh, just a weird blip in 1999 did uh, Fight Club, and one of my favorite fight scenes in any movie. <laughs> was uh it's the scene where our our hero the narrator it's uh ed norton it plays the nameless narrator is in the parking lot with B- brad pitt uh tyler durden okay uh now i it's it's far too late in the game to to even say spoilers we all know how this movie ends uh he's fighting with himself but the the whole thing the reason why i like this particular quote unquote fight is because what it does for the story and that's going to be a reoccurring theme in in my fight picks um but the thing that i like a lot about this particular fight scene is it really only involves as far as the fight itself is concerned it only involves like one really good hit and that's that that hit to the ear that <laughs> that Ed Norton clumsily gives Brad Pitt. You punched my ear. <laughs> you punched my ear. Yeah. The, the yeah. thing that I love about that, as simple as it is, is because it in in the narrative, it marks a turning point for our character. See, up until this point, our 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 guy is kind of a a split personality, somewhat schizophrenic guy that at this point in the film, we don't even know about. We literally think that Brad Pitt is another actual character. It's it's just another part of uh, Ed Norton's personality. We don't know that yet. I think the choice. But, I, I like but, what you're But the, the thing that I like about it is he his mind up until that point now that we know that what we know about his character his mind was simply just beginning to crack up until the point in the parking lot where this clumsy hit to the ear happens and it's at that time where that hit lands on that ear is where everything starts to manifest for this character's uh goal his this is where um his brain broke enough to formulate a plan, even though he wasn't aware of it at a time, the plan was to start a fight club. And like all, like so many halfway inspired plans where, where it, the muse just hits you out of nowhere. Um, it's a clumsy endeavor. And, but what it, what it ultimately led to was his uh, want and his drive, even though he wasn't consciously aware of it at the time to essentially, bring about a kind of uh, 
an apocalypse of sorts to kind of this was the, that punch to the ear laid the groundwork for his ultimate unconscious goal, which was to make a level playing ground, bring everybody back down to this like uh, anachronistic time period in life where we are free of, uh, you know, this is according to his philosophy, his character's you know, somewhat flawed philosophy, where everything starts from zero. Everything starts new, and we go back to this time where you are living uh, of the earth and free from all the pretension of modern society. And it all started with that stupid hit on the ear. And from that, yeah. And from that, that was the germ. That was the seed that unleashed hell and, and all of all (laughs) lack of a better phrase. (laughs) And so, so as a narrative device, that's why I picked that as my first fight. Would you, there's not a whole lot to talk about it besides saying that. Was there anything about fight club or that particular scene or Ryan that you liked? I've always been a, (laughs) I've always been a, a a line type of guy when it comes to movies. And he basically said, you've never been in a fight. Well, how do you know, how do you know yourself? if You've never been in a fight. Yeah. Like I can't, I, I can remember bits and pieces from the movie. No, that's that one line. That one line is like, do you really, that you know who you are and that and that line's perfect because it's driving it's that character unconsciously or subconsciously saying here's where we're gonna, here's where we're going to step over line how do you even know yourself you know that sounds like a cool line but what it represents is something much bigger mm-hmm. and 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 it's awesome len do you, do you have any uh thoughts about fight club it could be that scene or yeah. any yeah, I think uh, the big thing in Fight Club, and I obviously I think it's a good movie and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm not going to go on record of saying I thought it was like, oh my god, the greatest thing ever. But I I was entertained. It was a good movie. All oh, right, um, right. I think it's an important movie. Um, one of the things I think um, it really, really, really did well was again, uh, Brad Pitt is not doubled a whole lot in the movie. But the big thing is, though, Brad Pitt can't fight. He's he's not a fighter. I mean, no, in real no. life, he can't right. fight. You right. can Editing tell. And his fight scenes are so, <laughs> right. You can tell. But you know what? I mean, me or you that have seen a shit ton of martial art movies and stuff like that. And I'm not saying you have to be a martial artist to be a fighter. That's not what I'm saying here. Right. But Brad Pitt obviously cannot fight. No. The editing in his fight scenes is really well because they make him look good. Um, it flows along. It, nothing really... Um, Never once when I was watching the film, though, did I say, well, none of this is really believable. I, I never right. thought that at all. Everything looked believable because the editing was tight. The pacing was tight on everything. Yeah. Um, Brad Pitt got down to his 2% body fat or whatever, so he shredded, ripped in it. He looks the role, but they used editing and choreography to make him look much better. Oh, absolutely. Than he is absolutely. As, as a real-life right. fighter kind of thing. Yeah, because, because in our in the narrator's mind, Ed Norton's character, in his mind, Brad Pitt's supposed to represent everything that is the coolest, everything that he's not right. in real life. Right. And and you, you'd think that there because of that, there might be a little opportunity to actually implant some of that, like some actual – maybe martial arts or maybe more highly choreographed moves. But I think David Fincher went, I think the brawling aspect was enough for him. Right. Um, and so they just exemplified that, that. Right. Speaking of the brawling aspect too, um, I'll bring this uh, up here. Cause I think it's important with uh, the choreography for fight club. 
I do not have the IMDb in front of me, but I do believe um, legendary fight choreography, Jimmy Nickerson, he did the fight choreography for uh, Fight Club. Oh, he okay. Done stuff for the, would have done Jimmy Nickerson would have done stuff for who I think he was a real life boxer at one point, uh, but he did obviously stuff for the Rocky films and stuff. Um, if you want oh, to see a B wow, movie, wow, uh, a B movie that Jimmy Nickerson did all the choreography for, that is a brutal fight movie. That is not a martial art movie that I love to death. Yeah, it is with uh, George Rivero. It is nineteen eighty nine, I think. Uh, a movie called Fist Fighter. Um, okay. Edward, the late Edward Albert, uh, George Rivero, Matthias Hughes, uh, Chuck Connors—they're all in that movie. It is Fist Fighter. It is all boxing, brutal stuff. It's like Fight Club wow. on steroids when it comes to like fight scenes. Wow. So, okay. Well, I'll tell you what—you know, because uh, this is going to go up on uh, YouTube. So for every recommendation that you give, is going to be listed in the description. Thanks for that. I, we're definitely going to check that out. So I tell you, yeah. Person. Yeah, absolutely. Freaking A. Um, so, Orion, it's your second pick. What do you got? All righty. <clears throat> oh, God. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> this is one. My second pick <laughs> um, is a movie called The Glimmer Man. Came out in 1996. Oh, boy. Features um, Steven, Steven Seagal. Steven <laughs> The, the the synopsis of the movie is basically um he was what's called a glimmer man which is a government agent worked for the intelligence he was an operative and um he's um, investigating a, a murder uh with his uh, partner i believe that's um uh sean wayans i could be wrong i actually it's keenan ivory wayans. no it's keenan ivory wayans. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry yeah. sorry approximate anyway um <laughs> they they become they become kind of a uh uh, lethal weapon type duo to try to handle this case but my fight scene it, it takes place at this restaurant where he's off to meet a contact and get some information from him and it seems that as he goes to the restaurant he's messed with by the doorman the, the guy that answers the phone as well as a couple of wise guys and um he not only dispatches them quickly but does all sorts of major damage to the place using his using his um variation of what i believe would be a keto he's supposed to be yeah, like a, a yeah he's supposed to be an aikido master and um at the end of the fight uh someone calls in and asks they they want a reservation to which he he responds um oh that that we can't do that he looks around surveys the place they're going to be closed for about 2 months or so why don't you call back then <laughs> one of my one of my favorite scenes as well what do you think yeah um <clears throat> My second pick that I'm not going to mention right just yet, but there's there's a similarity here is uh, Seagal really is the one that brought the combat Aikido look to American cinema. Uh, Once Above the Law came out and, right. and all that, but it, in the fight scene you brought up, you really get to see a lot of that combat Aikido brought to light again, uh, much like he would have done in Above the Law. It's a lot of uh, uh, flips and and taking momentum from your opponent and throwing them into tables and throwing them all over the place, that kind of thing. Um, so I, I love uh, how it captures a unique style to him. Name another actor that does combat Aikido that you've seen in a movie. Uh, oh, hold on. Oh, hold on. Uh, uh, Actually, uh, no, not even Christian Bale. 
in, in any of the Batman movies? Oh, actually, no, no, you're not not Combat Aikido. No, I can't really think of a guy. Uh, I see Combat Judo and and like I could see Judo and Lethal Weapon, but I've I've not seen Combat Aikido in any of the, the particular. Yeah, yeah, there's actually some Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and stuff in Lethal Weapon. There's right. that kind of stuff. The so, particular, uh, yeah, Combat Aikido is really it's really unique to Seagal. It it, it yeah. it's almost like that hard style Tang Sudo to Chuck Norris. It's kind of his thing. I mean, if if you gave me two actors and a stage in front of me and they did a fight scene and they said, guess who I am and did some moves. If they did combat Aikido, I'd be like, you're, you're trying to be Steven Seagal. You know what I mean? You could pick <laughs> off the acting and choreography. Um, and I think my second pick, would, you could say that too, is if you could take two people and just say, reenact this scene, who, who is this? You'd be like, oh, that's Steven Seagal. He's doing that patty cake thing with his hands and he's throwing people around and stuff. It's, it's, it's him. It during my during my research of Glimmer Man for that particular scene, the thing that I liked about it, it was how he used his his uh, acumen to, uh, and I mean, of course, this is all scripted, but I loved how it was kind of almost in that particular scene used to comedic effect. Like there was a there was a lot of times where we were watching that scene where we were cracking up laughing <laughs> because it just the the comedy timing, even though. I mean, it he wasn't was fucking people up, but like, it wasn't the bars. It, it wasn't a slapstick, you know, fight scene or by any means, but it was just used in a way to to really undermine and and fuck with the villains. <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, you can you can link a scene like like this one in Glimmer Man also in, in terms of like like you said, almost a comedy, but not comedy style uh, to a similar scene he did a couple years before in a movie called Out for Justice. Yeah. Which is the uh, famous, uh, anybody seen Richie? Yeah. You know, he goes into the bar and beats people up with pool cues and, and all kinds of stuff. So, but it, it, it's a similar feel to that scene, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. Well, I uh, tell you what, uh, Lynn, it's your turn again. What's your second pick? I have got, uh, much like uh, we had mentioned with Orion's pick with Steven Seagal and his very distinctive uh, combat Aikido choreography, I am going with. Uh, Another uh, actor in film that I believe the choreography is very unique. It's a style that, again, I really have never seen another actor really capture as well, or choreographer even uh, capture uh, the style. I am going with the infamous dojo fight scene. Oh, uh, yeah. 90 movie, uh, the perfect weapon. Weapon, just, yes. Uh, there we go. Nice. Absolutely. This so, scene is Jeff speaking who is a, a obviously real-life American Kempo uh, yeah. martial artist, trained with uh, legendary Ed Parker, who passed away literally before this movie had just come out. Oh, wow. Uh, he passed away. Uh, the movie's dedicated to Ed Parker, who was kind of the founding father, if you will, of American Kempo, and Jeff was pretty much his, his star pupil, aside from training people like Elvis and stuff like that. But, uh, so, but Kempo, we had not seen that, much like Steven Seagal and Aikido, uh, in American cinema, we had not seen some this brilliant and it's really beautiful. Uh, uh, if you if you watch The Perfect Weapon and you can't get fired up in the first minute of watching it, <laughs> doing his Kempo Pata to "I Got the Power" by Snap or whoever did that song, uh, it's awesome and it's really beautiful. <laughs> and the um, the, uh, the choreography and the fight scene though, super unique. Uh, the fight scene itself features a really legend in his own right, James Liu who I believe is still a, a working actor in martial arts and action movies and stuff to this day. Uh, he has a, a just a 
200 film credits, probably James Liu, uh, big trouble in little China. I believe he's in that. He's, <laughs> he's done some big movies like this, like perfect weapon, which was a theatrical release back in, in 90, what 90, 91, something like that. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think I, I chose it because it, it, again, it's brutal. And not only did I choose it for that is I think in the fight scene, and we didn't mention this at all yet in, uh, in terms of, uh, how fight scenes play out, but the use of slow motion, I think the uh, yes. use of slow motion is really timed really, <clears throat> really well. Uh, it, sometimes slow motion comes across as really just trite and stupid. Well, but in this particular fight scene, I think the moments they chose to do it are perfect. They didn't not, overdo it. Not only that, but they carry a kind of signature look to them. And if you've, if you've only seen, if, if you didn't know any better and you watch this movie and you notice the slow motion parts and you think, well, that looks like something familiar. Well, that is probably due to the director. The director name is, uh, uh, Mark, uh, DeSalle or DeSalle, I believe. And he has only directed one other movie where you would see this particular slow motion effect. Guess what that is? Fucking kickboxer. It's kickboxer with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Absolutely. He was, and he was the tussle with his fucking leg and the tussle was falling down. <laughs> yeah. And he's talking about kicking the uh, Tom Poe. He's kicking like a building tassel to train and stuff <laughs> like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah kickboxer's awesome. Gotta love kickboxer. But um but yeah, but yeah, my 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 pick, my second fight scene is yeah, the, the dojo fight scene uh, uh with uh, uh Jeff Speakman and James Liu. Uh, two of the other actors in it too. I, I cannot remember their names, but they're they're seen all throughout fight movies and mm -hmm. martial arts, yeah. and all that stuff. So, um, so that that's my pick. And again, I, I went for uniqueness, much like I think Orion maybe intentionally did or not intentionally did pick something unique. And uh, my second choice, I went the same direction. I wanted to pick something unique no. uh, that really how we probably have not seen again. Uh, much like you don't see a keto outside of Seagal, I don't know if we've seen Kempo without Mr. Uh, Speakman. So right, uh, yeah. Now we just actually we just got done because we wanted to make sure that we we're like refreshed and and current and up. Was, we just got done watching that scene. Orion, what was your favorite part of that scene? Um, <laughs> well, well, there's so many now parts. You can, I've got to think about. You can go scene, for a so. fighting thing, or you can go for a dramatic thing. I like. I, I like that he takes the sticks and just chucks them. <laughs> you knew something because you knew he wasn't going to actually walk away. Right. Right. So that was you knew some heavy shit was coming. Well, there was there was one dude that he stood up against that he just started to waylay all the sticks. It looked like a drum solo was on the dude's chest. Just always up to my third pick. Wait till you get to my. Nice. What do you got, kid? Okay, well let's move on to my second pick. And my second pick is let's see here because I got so many notes pulled up on the old computer. Uh, okay. Let's just go with, oh, okay. 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 Cause my, my two choices are very, my two choices are very similar, but they're also opposed in a certain way. I want to see where I'm going to lead off on. Okay. I'm going to lead off on, um, John Carpenter's they live. <laughs> it is the infamous fight scene <laughs> that goes on for 1000 years. <laughs> it is the scene oh. between yeah okay so the the synopsis or yeah i guess the synopsis for uh for they live is uh a guy our hero a guy that doesn't actually have a name in the film 
uh, again, this is really weird because in Fight Club, there was no name. He's just known as the narrator. And in this film, uh, Roddy Paper's character is not named. Nobody ever mentions his name. He never introduces himself with a name. But in the credits, he's called Nada, standing for meaning nothing. Um, but this is this is that infamous fight scene between uh, Roddy Piper and uh, oh geez, what's his name? Keith. Uh, David Keith. David Keith. David Keith. David Keith. Um, and oh, I said it backwards. Keith David. It's. I think that's what I said. Yeah, I, th I thought it was Keith David, but mm -hmm. David Keith is probably correct. Yeah, One no, it, 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 no, it's Keith David. It's Keith David. I got it written here. Uh, so Roddy Piper and obviously Roddy Piper from uh, back in the day, WWF wrestling and uh, Keith David. Um, this is the infamous fight scene that lasts for, I, I want to say it's approximately seven minutes and it just goes on and on forever. And, and it's really just, um, the, the thing about this fight scene is I'm, I'm pulling it out because it is so novel. And I think novel is the key word. And that's why everybody kind of knows it and points at it and goes, ah, the fight, like even South Park many years back did a goof like a shot for shot hit for hit uh oh, with the cripple fight yeah the cripple fight the cripple fight was completely just it was just it was shot for shot uh that that entire fight scene from they live 1988 what, do what? you do you what? think griffin versus chicken was inspired by that what is that <laughs> family guys peter griffin oh, and oh you know chicken. dude dude knowing dude knowing how much that uh uh, that he that oh my god damn it what's his name um seth myers seth, no not seth myers <laughs> seth mcfarlane seth mcfarlane <laughs> knowing how much seth mcfarlane loves <laughs> loves because he's he's in our wheelhouse he's he's our he's our same age and knowing how much he loves to pay tribute to everything that he grew up with no matter what project he's doing it's all about callbacks i'm sure the chicken fights with peter griffin are are a love letter to the they live <laughs> absolutely but the, here's the thing here's the thing that i like about it i like how much effort they put into it <laughs> i like no because seriously when john carpenter handed everybody the script when it got to the part with the fight scene it's just it had five blank pages and on the top of the first page it just said they fight <laughs> 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 that's all it said and so because he knew at, at that point, at that stage in the script writing, um, he, he had Roddy Piper and and he had a fight choreographer. And I didn't write down his freaking name. And I'm so sorry for that. But what happened was uh, uh, Keith David and um, I'm sorry, David, Roddy Piper. Yeah. And Roddy Piper got together and they said, OK, uh, we are going to leave it to us. We are going to create this fight that is going to be non stop and they spent uh i believe two weeks uh with with a little bit of aid from the fight choreographer they had at the time uh but just spending two weeks in uh john carpenter's backyard going over every move making it the most raw brawl that they could try to capture on film and here's the reason why uh the 
I'm I'm picking my fights because of how they play into the the narrative of a film. That's kind of the direction I'm coming from. Again, because I'm not concentrating on the actual fighting styles or anything. I'm coming from a different place. And here's here's what I like and don't like about that scene. And and it's going to make sense when you compare it to my third pick. But John Carpenter allowed for a happy accident. And because he did, we got this amazing novel fight scene. But the thing is, when you hear uh, uh, David Keith speak about it, and of course, poor Roddy, he's he's no longer with us. But when they spoke about it in interviews over the years, they would say things like, well, it, the fight itself was like a story in and of itself. And and it and it played to the larger kind of uh, narrative of the film. And when I look at that film, I don't think that's what happened at all. I I I don't see a story being played out because if you look, if you watch the characters and you see their interactions, there's nothing that justifies a brawl like that that lasts that long. The their characters aren't that contentious to each other, and. I don't think that the fight necessarily plays into the narrative of the movie. I think the the fight is so spectacular and such a creative endeavor in and of itself that that's why it's important and that's why people like it. It's it's like the shining moment in what is otherwise a glorified essentially a glorified B movie. Um but so much work went into that fight that it kind of stands on its own. But I don't I don't necessarily agree with how it's romanticized as far as the narrative is concerned. I think it it sticks out because it doesn't it. You know, it's it's like a respite from the from the rest of the movie and doesn't actually make sense within the within the confines of the actual story. So that's why I picked it, because because it's a novelty, because I think it does stand out. And and they did put in so much work. It's it's not good because it's bad. It's not bad good. It's legitimately good. I think if in 1988 they did have YouTube, that fight would work as a seven-minute clip on its own just as a self-contained piece of entertainment. <laughs> but so that's what I think about it. Now, um, I was nine when uh, They Live came out, so I have very fond, nostalgic childhood memories of that fight. And that movie, um, I remember everything about that time period. And I definitely like it stuck with me as a kid. That's why, you know, I'm kind of bringing it. It it resonated with anybody that was alive at that time. So what do you what do you know, Orion, about the fight? What do you think about it? (laughs) All I know is that eight years later, Roddy Piper would tell both Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart (laughs) that they don't know nothing about fighting for a long period of time. And he's going to, for the uh, WWF championship, there's going to be an Ironman match. Nobody leaves. There must be a winner. That I think that fight, if my memory served me correct, was hour, hour 20 minutes long. Wow. And Shawn Michaels won the belt. No, what? I'm sorry. <laughs> Bret Hart won the belt because um, there was a screw job later on in Canada. That ha- uh, that Okay, I appreciate that. Was that, that, has, that, that the movie? Was <laughs> Was that have to do with the movie? Yes. Uh, 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 thoughts. I, I uh, Elaine, you, you saw the list uh, a few weeks ago before we started to do this show. Did you have any thoughts about the They Live fight? 
Um, I like how you put in uh, that, that it really is kind of a novelty uh, fight. I mean, it, it probably, when you look at weird things into films that don't fit maybe quite right, obviously this fight scene would, would fall into that, in my opinion. Um, and it, Hence the novelty uh, tag on it, but I think it's correct. Yeah. Um, also with it, though, if you watch the fight, you could see how it's almost has that that improv feel to it. I mean, knowing like Orion might know about pro wrestling and stuff, they play yeah. in the choreography. You can see they play to the moves. What they do? There's a suplex in it by Roddy Piper. He's probably <laughs> yeah of those in, in his lifetime. You know what I mean? So I mean, they were playing to strengths. But but the one thing I think I like best about this fight scene is is if you said forget the the camera angle cuts and stuff like that but let's just say you had yeah. one camera rolling the whole time you could conceivably say watching that scene there could be no cuts you could have just filmed it when you looked at the fight and how it broke down there was those natural pauses where the actors seem to catch their breath those kinds of things you could have filmed it all in one take yeah just yeah you fun about you the yeah, you could have done like you could have set up like three or four different cameras from very specifically chosen angles and just and just, just yeah, just done it, just done all the cuts and editing, just recording the fight live. Now, I believe they they did quite a few takes, but they were so they put so much into this fight and and I like it as a labor of love. They put so much into this fight that even though they did so many takes, they were still so careful to make sure that everything matched. And, and I respect that as a creative person. I respect that as a person that films things, you know, and that has to edit. Um, so I, I just, I kind of love it from not only the fights, uh, kind of, I don't want to say quote unquote choreography. There was choreography in there, of course, but as a, as a filmmaker, as a, as a person that makes things, I appreciate it from that level too. And that's, and that's why that's my second pick. So, you know, I just hey, go, you know, for those millennials out there that are listening to the show that don't know what I'm talking about, there's going to be a link in the description. Go check out They Live, if only for that fight scene. Right. <laughs> Orion. Yeah. The yeah. Too, there's some great actors and actresses in it. Meg Foster is in it. She mm -hmm, went on mm -hmm. to do Master of the Universe and, and, and Blind Fury and lots of really cool movies in that, that kind of 85 to 95 ish kind of time period. Uh, good actress paper we mentioned david yeah uh, you know oh absolutely there's and this really to me i love the thing with john carpenter it's one of my favorite movies but aside from the thing i know he didn't you know i mean obviously yeah. his stuff speaks but they live for me personally is probably my second favorite film in his his acumen there in his library so i like the thing and i like they live yeah, and a a oddly enough, uh, Keith David, uh, the only two times he worked with uh, John Carpenter was, was yeah, it was those two movies. So yep. let me go ahead, and to keep this ball rolling, let's get to your third and final pick, Orion. Yes. <clears throat> My third pick has been argued by many people as the greatest movie fight scene that has ever existed. Oh, boy. Now, there's so, some people believe that, the fight scene from they live is that type of fight scene just because of its length and all the stuff that was going on. Oh, I know where you're going, but okay. I can, after seeing the scene, after watching the scene and after, after actually studying it, I can, I can see why people claim it, claim it is 
or it should be the best fight scene in movies. It's from a movie called um, Ip Man. It's pronounced IP Man. Yeah. All right. It was done in um, um, 2008, and it's about the um, the master instructor of, I believe that's uh, Wing Chung. And um, legend has it that he was the guy who taught Bruce Lee how to fight. Is that legend or fact? Um, I simply don't know. Approximate. Approximate. Um, yeah, we are the approximate podcast. Yes. Lynn, do you know, was the Ip Man, uh, was, was he... Was he Bruce Lee's teacher? You know that I, I honestly do not know that. Wow. Okay. But that's the the only thing I knew about this movie when uh, Ryan came to me was that it, he was that legend, and I yes. thought that that was the thing. Um. So, well, okay. Well, what is what is well, the fight anyway? Um, the particular fight scene is that they're um. They're in kind of a uh, prison uh, prison area where there's the, there's a cell with a bunch of um, Chinese people in it, and uh, what they do is they have some of these people come out and fight against these trained guards. They use them for exercises. Well, they send Ip Man's best friend out there, and he gets beat to death, and that makes him upset. So Ip Man yells at the guard, tells him, "Look, I'll fight all you sons of bitches." And um, the um, the main guard said, "Pick eight of my best guys." And he says, "You pick eight of your best guys. I'm gonna whoop their ass." So they have him come out, and the um, is there anything on the line except for vengeance for Ip Man? Or oh, the, uh, in other words, other movies regarding Ip Man? Or no, no. What I'm saying is he's fighting all these people because they killed his friend, right? Right. And like, if he doesn't. Like, oh, if he doesn't perform, he will die with them. Okay, and if and if he does, he just gets to walk away. Is he like uh they they first of all they show him a little bit more respect, and secondly, the 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 let's just say the superintendent right. who's been watching this goes on, he's a martial artist too and wants to fight it right. So right. you fight through all these guys, then he, you're good enough to fight me. But he's he's just just so I know because I haven't seen the movie and I'm I'm kind of making stuff up in my head and I want you to correct me. Is he forced to fight or is he choosing to fight? He's choosing to fight. Okay, so he can just walk away. Yeah, he could let that. He could let that. He could okay. let that shit slide. Okay, okay. Because because right. now now when I reflect back on the scene that you showed me on this particular fight. Now that makes sense because yeah. I could have also, without context, I could have also taken it as he had to fight these motherfuckers to win his life. Yeah. Well, what we saw was what we saw was the edited part with him walking outside and choose and, and actually standing up to fight. Right. Um, what we didn't see is his friend getting killed and it man balling up his fist saying, all right, let me show you how Chinese Wing Chun is really supposed to go. Gotcha. Let me express myself. And they let him out, and he puts on this incredible show, breaking, severing nerves, breaking bones. Oh God, it was so brutal. He hits this one dude so many times. When the dude, when he stops punching him, his chest is still convulsing from the hits. Dude, it was, it was as far as like this is the one fight scene that you showed me. It was so. There's two words that come to mind when I think of this particular fight scene. I'm How sure. efficient 
it was. And how visceral. And how visceral it was. That's a very good word. How visceral it was. He was an, ang- I, I think he was an angry but, dude. But, but the thing is, it, they don't even, it's not even, it's glorified by your imagination because they don't make a big deal out of like, it's, it's, it's it, like, like a lot of the worst hits are taken from a, like a master shot, like a wide shot. You just like, you just have to be looking and just kind of notice it out of the corner of your eye when somebody's joints breaks the other way, you know, and it happens so fast. It, it is, is so perfectly brutal, but so beautiful in its design. Yes. I noticed that right away. They don't call it the dance of death for nothing, but, um, it, it, it's, it's, uh, I would I would argue I would argue that to be one of the best scenes that's ever come out. Now I, I asked you, Lynn might know something about this. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I, I asked you, Orion, when we first saw this scene or when you first showed me this scene, uh, I wondered this is supposed to be the guy, assuming the legend is right, this is supposed to be the guy that taught Bruce Lee. So who did they find that had the balls to choreograph the scene for the man? that taught Bruce Lee. I wanted to know who the fight choreographer was. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, I know Donnie Yen obviously is. Yeah. I was just about to say that. Um, I'm pretty sure Donnie Yen doesn't do the choreography though. Um, uh, Corey Yen jumps out off the top of my head, but I'm, I'm not sure if it's Corey Yen. He went on to do like the matrix and, and, and all sorts of stuff like that. But he also started, um, in the 80s, he directed a, a big uh, B-movie that I'm a big fan of, uh, Red Letter Media fans that are listening. I mentioned this movie a couple times because I love it so much. It's No Retreat, No Surrender 2. Nice. Uh, nice. With, with Lauren Avedon and uh, uh, Matthias Hughes. Um, I mentioned that, but Corey Yen directs that film. And uh, I know he went on to action choreograph a bunch of things. So I think he does the choreography for this this fight scene. I'm Without me just looking at the net, though, and jumping on it, I'm not sure. Sure, sure. It looks like a Corey Yen fight scene. Lynn, uh, is there anything specific about that particular fight scene that that uh, that you appreciate or that you like? I think the big thing is uh, with this one too is is not just coordinating like a three or four on one fight scene like I would have mentioned with like uh, the choice of like the perfect weapon fight scene I had mentioned uh, where he's taken on three or four guys in the fight scene. There's like. 50 people in this <laughs> yeah there really are it's all over. So, and the, the 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 trick to making these things look good too though and, and some of this is in the directing not just the choreography but but you never want to see like people just like standing around like they're waiting to like jump into the fight right uh, that's another thing that i was gonna uh, uh, mention that's gonna actually play into my third pick but for this it's yeah there's always motion and movement in the background nobody looks like they're standing around jumping to wait wait to jump right or anything the pacing the pacing of the fight given the circumstances are as realistic as you can make them you know it's it seems it's a logical fight it's a logical fight given the number of people surrounding this man at least as logical as you can make it the way they pace it too, though, a lot of times is in, in in their choice of the cutaways that they use to, to pace the fight along. They break it up and use slow motion, a, a, a time or two there. Uh, they do a cut up close up where a guy's getting the punch to the, the shooto or punch to the neck or whatever it was there. Uh, right. So, you know, you get those close ups or that slow motion that breaks up. Like you'd mentioned, they seem to have that wide master shot kind of thing that a lot of the fight is done in. Right. Well, 
it makes it even more impressive when you shoot in a wide shot like that and nothing looks like stagnant ever. Exactly. I was just about to say that because you're really tempting fate. If you have a wide shot, you have to, you have to have, you have to be on the ball as far as a choreography, as far as your blocking goes, you have to be on the ball or else it gives everything away. Yep. And it could be something that's, you know, 20 feet away from, you know, what actual fight piece is happening. You know, but somebody, man, you've got to clutch your chest or your arm or, or shake your head around or do something. You know, everybody's always got to be doing something. And uh, right. that's hard to do. Yeah. A, a really good tool for that, it seems to me. Now, I've never choreographed a fight or did blocking for a fight or anything like that in my uh, shooting experience. But it would seem to me that your and I'm sure there's a lot of different ways to go about this, but I'm sure that one of the like your biggest tool is that your protagonist has to be so uh he, he has to be such a uh potential uh menace a, a, you have to instill fear and fear can go a long way to kind of keeping so many people back like when when you got a guy that is so adept at his at his craft that he's fucking people up that it would keep people away at least a little bit keep people away because they're like i don't know if i want to fuck with this guy i'm not going to jump in you know because the, the the illusion is is making sure that people don't just uh like dogpile them you know right. because that would in real life you'd imagine people would dogpile a guy especially when it's that many against one so you have to you have to have a protagonist that is so dangerous uh, as far as perception goes that it would allow for people to go uh, I, I I'm going to stand back a little bit and it and it makes sense you know to kind of that's addressed in the choreography for this fight scene too, though, because yeah. there is some scenes where you think that may, or little parts where that may happen, and he ends up creating space to right. fight by grabbing somebody and throwing them off in the distance, and and you can see where the uh, uh, main character there by Yen is like creating those little pockets where he's not gonna get dogpiled. So that yeah. that that really is put in the choreography in there to give him like space. Hell yeah, fucking I love it, and um. Uh, Again, uh, all these links are going to be in the description. I'm totally going to check out uh, it, man. Um, so okay. let's, yes, let, let's go ahead and skip to you, Lynn. And what's your third pick? My third, my, my final pick here for the, yeah. the podcast is I, we saw the David Carradine one I chose with Chuck Norris. Yep. Realistic hand to hand, slugging it out. Pretty realistic fight scene. Uh, we went to the crazy, very, uh, uh, martial arts specific and using American Kempo with the perfect weapon yes. uh, where he takes on three or four guys in the dojo. My last pick, though, is now not on just martial arts focused. It is weapons focused, where the entire fight scene is nearly all like weapons based. The wonderful 1993 picture, Mission of Justice. <laughs> Mission <laughs> of Justice. Just, uh, it is on Amazon Prime right now. Go make your night wonderful. <laughs> watching it grab a smirnoff or whatever and go watch mission of justice you will love it email me or twitter me and say len i just watched it thank you you will do it mission of justice matthias hughes 
uh, uh, Cindy Pass, uh, Karen Shepard, a real life uh, martial arts champion, a, a female uh, martial arts champion. Uh, Jeff Wincott, obviously, his resume speaks for itself. Um, great movie. Uh, Brigitte Nielsen, uh, back before she got real weird, uh, Brigitte Nielsen is the villain in the film. Uh, that Brigitte Nielsen, who was married to Stallone and, and uh, Yvonne Drago's wife in uh, Rocky IV, uh, is the villain in the picture. Flavor Flav. The, the scene I chose was the gauntlet scene where uh, yeah. his character looking to get into this secret society of like crime fighter. To, it's a pretty weird society that Brigitte Nielsen runs in the film. Well, you earn your keep in there by showing you can fight. So uh, he grabs his weapons, does a bunch of, bunch of Steve Chase, uh, Killer Be Killed <laughs> style backflips into the middle of this gauntlet of 30 men with all these Filipino fighting stick weapons or Eskrima sticks, if you will. And it's on. It's all a blender of Eskrima stick weapons for the next few minutes and mixed in with some kicks and punches and stuff like that. So, uh, But I chose this because of the crazy weapon choreography. Uh, Jeff Wincott went on to do uh, uh, stick fighting in a couple of his films. He's obviously pretty adept at it, obviously, and, and, and his stunt people and choreographers have, have taught him well. Uh, but he is a real life martial artist as well, I believe in Taekwondo. And uh, you can see that when he when he starts to throw kicks and punches, you can say, oh, that looks like Taekwondo, much like Chuck Norris or, or Seagal or all we mentioned, you know, their styles. You can say, oh, that looks like that style. Um, Jeff Wincott's no different. It looks like Taekwondo. Um, the stick fighting here is brutal. If you can watch this scene without going, ooh, or ah, or ugh, when you watch it, I challenge you to do that because there is several <laughs> of those moments, and including one moment where he hits one opponent with must be 35 times in three seconds. Yeah. <laughs> like, he runs up his body just, just tattooing him with these sticks for literally 30 seconds. So, yeah, no, he hits him 200 times with them. But whatever. Watch the scene. It's really awesome. Uh, it's it's definitely out of all the Eskrima fight stick movies I've watched, and I've seen a bunch of them too. It's probably my favorite like stick fighting type scene in a movie. So uh, yeah, I got some. I pulled up some. Uh, we again, this is another one. We we just went over this before we went live, um, and uh, I, I pulled up some facts about this movie, some weird trivia. Apparently. Um, Jeff Wincott, he had never studied in the style of stick fighting before. Uh, and he his training consisted of a single 45-minute session uh, with, uh, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get the word wrong, but it's the Escamira, or es Escrima. Escrima Master, yes. uh, uh, Burton Richardson. So he like, he like did 45 minutes worth of work, and that was as much stick fighting as he knew. <laughs> So basically, what he I believe uh, Richardson is actually a, an actor in the scene as well. I believe he's a oh. white guy with black black hair and stuff. He actually fights him in that fight sequence, I believe. Oh, okay, okay. So he's he's probably one of the dudes lined up on either side. He is. Yeah, he is. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so the whitest looking guy in the scene. <laughs> he's got black hair, full head of black hair. Uh, I, I believe that's him. Yeah. Now, uh, another another weird fact was originally this was conceived as a sequel to Martial Law Two. Oh, yeah. Oh, great movie. Great yeah, movie. But, that's on Prime. People, go watch it. 
but it was it was supposed to it once when with at the time that this was imagined as uh the like the official part two of martial law it was supposed to star uh cynthia uh rothrock oh okay yeah 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 but she when this became the film that it is she was pulled out and then she her character was replaced by uh karen shepherd so that's a weird little because they're both real life women's champions and weapons uh, Karen Shepard's the real deal too. I mean, obviously didn't go on to the career that uh, Rothrock had, uh, but uh, uh, Karen Shepard, uh, outside of this, where she gets to fight and do you know a lot of stuff in Mission of Justice, uh, in America released as a called a Liminator Woman. It is with real life <laughs> kickboxing champ Jerry Trimble, who's still a working actor and does some some big movies to this day. Uh, Jerry Trimble is in it. Uh, the uh, Michael Quizzy, who taught Jean-Claude Van Damme martial arts and is also plays Tong Po, is in it. It is called Eliminator Woman. I think in some countries it's called Terminator Woman. It's pretty hard to find, uh, but try because it's a super awesome movie. And Karen Shepard, that is, I think, her only like like lead vehicle <laughs> is an actress. So Nice. Well, it seems like it's my turn to kind of round out the show. So it's my third pick. And my third pick is uh, it's a scene that I've always appreciated from afar. Um, and it's a scene that I knew about for a long time, until, but I didn't actually see the movie for a while. Um, and it sticks in my head as, as one of the, again, I'm coming from a narrative point of view. I, I'm not coming from the actual fighting point of view, but. Let's see. Let's see where we go. It's old boy. Old boy. It's the, again, another famous core. It's another famous fight scene that takes up super famous. That is this another one that takes up about five minutes of time around the five minute mark. And this is the one that's going to juxtapose the, they live, uh, fight scene. Uh, that was my second pick. Um, now old boy. Now this is to make, clear this is the 2003 version okay this is the one that's uh directed by uh chan wook park pack i'm so afraid of saying these names wrong uh chan wook park i believe um and oh, trust me i say Kusaki all the time and people <laughs> jump all over that so yeah, I, it, I, I have somewhat of an impediment i know it's it's kuzagi i believe is how you say it but i say Kusaki all the time right. so i just, <laughs> People are going to jump on you either way. I love you right. guys, but I'm sure I'll say Shokusaki. <laughs> We're trying. We mean no offense. We try. <laughs> um, okay, so here's the thing that uh, that I love about this f- particular fight scene. Oh, boy. Um, narratively, again, I'm coming from a narrative point of view, and how the uh, – how this, how a, 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 any particular scene, but in this case, a, a fight scene, how in this case, a fight scene progresses a movie. Okay. Um, you know, every shot they say, you know, and it's, it's a good rule for storytelling. Every shot should progress the story along. You should, you know, not have any wasted shots. And this is what I think is so special about this particular fight scene because it almost sounds when I watch it, 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 it almost looks like it's a commentary on what it is to, it's like a, it's like a encapsulated version of the hero's journey. 
Okay, so in this particular fight scene, it occurs in a corridor, um, a hallway, where our hero, old boy, is fighting almost countless numbers <laughs> of goons, essentially. And in the scene, it's a linear scene, by which I mean the camera moves strictly from left to right in a, in a, in a forward progression and in a left to right progression from a start point to an end point and if you watch the fight the fighting part isn't the thing that's most important the fight in and of itself isn't the important part it's in five minutes it encapsulates the struggle and and kind of under, and kind of underpins what it is to be a storyteller to to tell stories what stories are it it is resolving a conflict which is what all storytelling is and in this fight scene in in a very visual linear fashion that's almost like on the nose in this 5 minutes it shows you that a character goes from left to right and goes through all of the stages and phases of overcoming a conflict. And so when we start, we have old boy that is on the left side of the screen and a huge gaggle of goons on the right. And gaggle? Yeah, a gaggle? Gag Google? Google? Gag Google? Gag Hansel. 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 <laughs> he starts from the left side of the screen and he is he is determined and bound to get to the right side of the screen. Now, of course, in the in larger narrative, there's an actual objective, but visually in this scene, he's going from left to right. And the and the left is the beginning and the right is the end. And we are we are just just because of the structure of the scene and the visual poetry of the scene, we are made to understand that there's a beginning and an end. And so he starts and our character, his purpose is so driven in him that he is cocky and he spends the first, I'd say, Oh, 15 to 30 seconds expunging all of his energy and wasting all of his energy to combat all these goons. And, and it kind of, he, you can see he wears himself out and he's struggling and he's fighting and they get him down on the ground, but he's putting up the good fight. But they get him down on the ground, and about halfway through the fight, he gets a knife to the back. And okay, so this is one of the most important things to 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 kind of concentrate on. When I say left to right, we don't see a character that constantly stays on the left side of the screen and is concentrate and is moving forward. We know that this man's purpose is so powerful. Because he does everything in his power to occupy the middle of the screen. Now, of course, this is this is the difference between this elongated fight scene and the elongated fight scene in They Live. In this particular fight scene, it is a it is a mark of vision. It is a storytelling technique. Whereas They Live's huge long fight scene was let's let serendipity happen and create a thing that's in and of itself. But in that's a great comment. That's a great comment. 
but but in this one, we always see our protagonist, our 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 he's always trying to stay the center of power, which occupies the center of the screen. And he's he's constantly it's it's not a pretty fight. It's a lot of brawling. It's a it's a lot of gang members, but he's so powerful and he's so driven by his cause that he's almost superhuman, which is the only thing that gives him like leeway and credence for believability in this particular fight. Because this is another one of these situations where it can be a dog pile, but it never turns out being a dog pile because everybody's treated as if they were actual humans. Um, which means he wears down people and people wear him down and you know fights real life fights aren't pretty you get tired really quick you know especially if you're not you know a, a super if you're just a thug you're gonna get tired quick and and once you see the story you know that he's you know he's just a guy too he's a guy with a passion and a mission and he's just a essentially a normal guy but anyway he struggles and he fights and in this elongated scene which kind of works like a a video game as it were mm. scrolling from uh One left side to, to right other. you know and it wasn't intentional uh but you know side scroller video games work off of storytelling as well so that you know it's it's not uh, it's correlation not causation <laughs> right um but once once we get to like the 75% mark of the fight, we start to see that our our protagonist, old boy, gains ground and winds up not towards completely the end of the scene, but he's at the 75% mark and he's weared down and he is weared down so much that as as much as they the the goons are still a threat, they're tired and you can see it. And he's made, he's battled his way point past the halfway point in the scene and turns around and is not fleeing for the door, even though he's at the 75% mark. No, he's, he still knows that the goons are a threat and he still has to no longer battle forward, but he's now in a defensive mode. Right. And he's defending his ability to get to the end of the corridor. And, and so from beginning to end you you kind of see the in, in a and this is what i love about movie making this is this is the kind of fight scene that propels a story forward and it is built for movie making it is built for the language of cinema a man that is struggling and then maintains control then loses control and then defends the control he fought so hard for uh, with an obvious deterrent, which is the knife in his back that he got halfway through the fight. And then finally, finally makes it to the end. And you're rewarded as a viewer once he gets to the end of this fight with this very he, – he's right at the front of the camera. And you see all the carnage he's struggled so hard to lay behind him. And he smiles at the camera, but that's false because what you don't realize is he's not smiling because he won and he got to the quote unquote end of the stage. No, he's smiling because the door that opens up in front of him that was at the other side of that hallway is a whole new mess of goons that he has to fight. So he's smiling because he knows 
he, he understands the irony <laughs> of how hard he fought and how this is going to start all over again, except this way in a vertical rise. Right. <laughs> and the cool thing about the movie is, is it dispenses with the vertical fight. Right. We don't even need to see this whole new batch of goons going straight up. <laughs> we, it, the scene cuts from him smiling to a shot of the doors opening where there's a whole new batch of goons and then immediately cuts to, uh, you know, whatever floor the uh, elevator opens up on and all those new goons falling out of the elevator because he has dispensed with them as well. It was no longer necessary to see that, that he had to, we didn't need to see that fight because it was established in that first, in the fight, first fight, how hard he was willing to fight to meet his end goal. And there's just, there's just something so amazing and poetic about that in the, in, in a, in such a cinematic way that really not only services the story, but kind of comments on the story. It's like that one corridor fight scene is a, it's an answer to the movie in and of itself. You know, it's saying, I don't know, Lynn, what do you, what do you think? <laughs> um, I think when I watch a scene, and I've seen this movie several times, but uh, uh, I will say this is probably one of the top, uh, maybe five fight scenes like right off at the top of my head where uh, you had mentioned this so you kind of stole my my uh <laughs> my uh what i was going to compare it to here was, right. was going to be a video game and yeah. this, this fight scene feels like a video game um another fight scene i was going to kind of draw to it in a, a lesser sense but in a great movie is the 1995 movie called the hunted uh with christopher lambert from the highlander the train scene he is on the train Correct. It's the train ah. scene with the ninjas versus samurai, and it feels like a video game. I mean, you could see the power-ups, the bars of the heroes and everything as these ninjas are pouring at them and cutting faces off and all this stuff. Um, but but the, those two scenes have a similar feel to me. Um, the, the thing that uh, separates Old Boy to me is um, this, this is almost like master storytelling to fit the fight scene into the movie as well, though. I mean, it feels right. like it, 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 it's Tom Petty doing songwriting kind of thing. He, he is right. a storyteller. He's more than just a musician. He's a John Denver. He tells stories. Mm -hmm. He's not just a, a, a musician. Uh, and Old Boy, to me, this fight scene feels like that, where, where the right. narrative is so important. It's just not a scene they decided to, to film this way uh, like you said, in, in, in the, the camera work and the fashion there. I mean, all that's intentional. None of this happened by accident. I mean, they purposefully shot that right. scene as they did to fit this style picture. Yeah, uh, like, yeah, in the, over, in, the, in the overall movie, given the, given the context of the movie, this is a man that we expect to see fighting his way through the thing. But the fighting is never the subject matter. The fighting that has to happen because of the nature of the story services the story it's never it's never a thing to look cool for coolness sake you know it oh. serves the story well if you like that there was a movie that came out i want to say late 70s early 80s um it was a movie called the duelist ah uh? if oh, my yeah. memory serves me correct this was ridley scott's first foray in the movies um it starred harvey Keitel. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, David Keith, I'm sorry, no David, yeah David Carradine, 
David Carradine. Um, and two very different men. Yes, they are. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> almost said Keith. Well, the Carradines in the Duelist. Um, but somebody's got an internet movie database. That one. I don't think Carradine's in that one. You sure? Yeah, we're gonna have to look that one up. Oh well. Yeah, look that one up because I, I own <laughs> like literally like a ten of his movies, and I, I don't remember seeing the Duelist in in, in David Carradine's library. Let's we see. Need to find that out because that's gonna bother. The Duelist. See now, now see. I've got VHS movies <laughs> that were never released in America. From Car- I'm a big David Carradine fan. The The Duelist. D U L. And and that was you say that was uh what's his name uh Ridley Scott's first movie. That's what I thought. Oh, that was easy. Yeah. No, hold on, this Who's isn't it? it. That's 2016. We're not talking about that one. I like how prepared we are. <laughs> really? That that me for a loop that's that <clears throat> question yeah while wow, they're <clears throat> talking about the the remake that was done in 2016 oh boy uh, that's okay through the power of editing it will it will look like we know what we're doing like <laughs> <laughs> hey uh, Lynn, have to- uh go ahead yeah, I have to know the answer to this, though. It's gonna be I hard. know. It's bugging the hell out of me, too. I know it's a Ridley Scott film. He's, he's yeah. correct uh-huh. there. I'm, I'm positive it's Ridley Scott. Full cast and crew. Okay, what do we got? <laughs> we have Harvey Keitel, Keith Carradine. Keith Carradine. Keith Carradine. Could you hold on, just, hold on just a minute, Lane? In your face! Keith Carradine! In your Look, face! Look, this, this whole podcast has been a <laughs> stew of Davids and Keiths and Carradines. <laughs> of course... Of course we would get it wrong. Oh, God. <laughs> well, so not not we too long before The Duelist, and, uh, Keith Carradine would have done um, – uh, what movie was that? I want to say not – not a karate movie or anything like that, a, dra- a dramatic uh, – I think Nashville was the name of the movie. He wrote the song I'm Easy for it. It's a great tune. Okay. Uh, Keith Carradine wrote that. I believe he won an award for writing the song, actually. Hmm. Uh, you remember, anyways, do you, do you remember the movie Keith The Carradine. Long Riders? Wait, the what? Oh, that's a great the- movie. They're all in. In all the brothers in that, yeah, they're all in it. The the Quades are in that. The Carradines are in it. The Keeches are in that. If you're a brother and you've got another brother in Hollywood doing stuff, you're in the long ride. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! You know what? Uh, it seems like that kind of. I think that's it. That's all for picks right now. Yeah. Um. That. So here's I gotta so, ask you. I gotta ask you this, Lynn. Um, unless, uh, unless I'm like catching the wrong angle, did you, did you cut your hair? No, no, no. My hair's here. Where's it? It's in a braid. Oh, you scared me, man. <laughs> no, it's, it's a braid. Uh, oh, oh man. Going? Just going to see my picture down there. Yeah, no, they're going to see it. Yeah, no, oh. they'll, they'll be able oh. to see it. Ah, an attempt <laughs> okay, at the Duncan McLeod cut. Hold on. Oh, you had me freaked out, man. Nope, it's 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 there. I mean, it's it's all yeah, nice. Yeah. There I we are. I am Connor McLeod of the Clan McLeod, <laughs> and I am <laughs> immortal. No, it's it, it's there. So sweet, sweet. Hey, just want to make sure. I mean, hey, if you get to cut your hair, that's fine. That's fine. But we oh. all we all know love. <laughs> we all know and love Lynn Kabazinski as we we need your hair, man. <laughs> No, it's it, it, no, it's 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 hasn't gone anywhere yet. So I'm I'm 43. So that's copyrighted and copyrighted, copyrighted and trademarked, man. It's copyrighted. That's the that's the Kaczynski look. 
<laughs> nah, it's, uh, uh, yeah, if it starts to fall out really, really, really badly fall out, I'll probably go to that that uh, Jason, uh, I'll say it wrong, Statham look or whatever. Oh, no, no, no. No, you're fine. You're doing great. You're doing great. I just got worried. Yeah, I think for a second. <laughs> for four, for, yeah, for 43, I'm not too worried yet. So uh, I, I, it's I, doing okay. Yeah. Hey, and you're in good company. I, I we got. This was, this was so I... hard for me to pick three fight scenes, though, because just uh, this is my life in movies kind of thing. This is what I watch all the time. I, I know. And, and that's why we wanted to contact you because we knew it'd be right up your alley. And, you know, we can always do a part two. Oh, yeah. We can always reconfigure yeah. our list. Any time, because I could go. This is a long. You're talking years worth of conversations here for me, literally. Uh, awesome. Like like I had mentioned with the, the fight scene from The Hunted, I could have chose that easily. I love that fight scene. I didn't even pick a fight scene from like Revenge of the Ninja or all these ninja movies, American Ninja, Michael Dudikoff pictures, or all this <laughs> stuff that I love. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's funny you brought up martial law because I just watched it all. They're on Prime now, and I just watched the uh, first one with, with David Carradine as the villain, uh, Chad McQueen and Cynthia Rothrock are in it. Jeff Wincott, you've got Billy Drago, a great actor who's a, I guess like a shady uh, police chief or something in it. I love Billy Drago, um, still a working actor this day, I believe. Uh, but anyways, I'm getting off on a tangent. But there's a not at all, not at all. No, this is great. I love the enthusiasm. I love the enthusiasm because I, look, <clears throat> again, I'm I'm odd man out here and as much I love all this information. I love that it gives me something to kind of research and look forward to and a new passion to pursue. So, yeah, we can get in deep so long as you're like willing to come on. Did you have a good time? I had a blast. This oh, is fucking I could talk about Awesome. Yeah. Years on end, trust me. <laughs> so yeah. here's, but yeah, I kind of pick films too that are that are available to see or easily available to watch. Uh, that's why Mission of Justice is for the Amazon Prime people because that's normally what I watch. It is for free on Prime. Perfect Weapon is on Prime. Yeah, uh, Lone Wolf McQuaid. I do not know is it on Prime, but uh, that's a pretty easily available uh, film of Chuck Norris's. So, uh, uh, but the the other two are free to watch on Prime. Go check them out. Mission of Justice is 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 fucking awesome. Uh, yes. Go have a good night. <laughs> yeah. Well, now before we go, before we go, um, we got to get your plugs in. We got to get your plugs in, and we're gonna do our plugs, and then we'll do an official goodbye. So why don't you go ahead and tell the? And again, there's gonna be links to everything, everything you just said, everything that was said over the podcast, and everything you're about to say now. We're gonna create links in the description for everything. So okay. go ahead and what what's going on with Lynn right now that you want to put out there into the world? Yeah, I'd say uh, new stuff for me that that, that I've got. Three new movies coming out in the next five months. Uh, uh, Blood Prism, which is my first shot. At, uh, I am not acting in the film. I am not in the movie. I uh, co-wrote oh. it, did it, uh, and uh, of course, executive produced it. It is more of a dark comedy that kind of involves an art gallery owner, a, a, a woman, a, a female art gallery owner, uh, that hears voices that tells her to kill like distraught people, like people suffering from depression and stuff. She thinks she's doing God's work by killing people basically that are suffering in that i action. saw the trailer for that oh did you so, yes uh, <laughs> it's gonna be pretty good actually yeah blood prism it, it, it's my first attempt at something that is not fight scene oriented it is all character based story based oh, man uh, oh dude i'm looking forward to that 
yeah, my, my special effects uh, ace uh, monster, Mark Kazabucky is back. He does all the stuff there. And, and when I did a picture like this, um, I really treat the death scenes and the gore scenes as if they are the fight scenes of the movie. Um, because oh, wow. a lot of times fight scenes pace my movies along. If you're watching a movie like Fist of the Vampire or something like that, uh, the fight scenes really serve as to, to, to get the movie to point A to point B. It's paced along by fights and action. Well, Blood Prism's not, and those moments are either nudity or, you know, the, the death scenes or, you know, the gore scenes in the picture. So Blood Prism is something really, really different for me. Uh, literally, it's going to come out at the end of February, so we're like a month away uh, from Blood Prism coming out. Nice. And, uh, I've got a lot of photos up. Uh, I, I do have a Patreon uh, that I started uh, back. Uh, it's not quite a year old, but it, it, it's at patreon.com slash killer wolf films. Right. Videos every month. I, I do a, um, uh, a forgotten movie den, if you will, where I'll pick a movie or two. And I don't critique the films or anything like that, but it's more of a, of a, a, Hey, I love this movie growing up. I still love this movie. I'd like to bring it to your attention kind of thing and talk about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I have the my forgotten movie den that I do every month. I do like a mailbag um, uh, where I'll do a video mailbag and post that where I answer questions that fans or viewers will, will, will send to me. Um, and uh, of course, I do a bunch of stills and posters and all all kinds of stuff that that gets posted on the Patreon page. And then I'll do a monthly blog of what what's going on, kind of some experiences I've had throughout my career, uh, that kind of thing. So we really try to pack it to, for for two dollars worth that we ask a, a campaign pledges. So uh, uh, the Patreon.com/slash/KillerWolfFilms. Nice. Uh, so that's ongoing. Uh, right after Blood Prism, for those that hate me doing a dark comedy weird art. <laughs> type film uh Hell, hellcats revenge is coming out a couple weeks after that so uh nice. that's, from, that's from a distributor i don't own the rights to that that's signed away um but the the a lot of the pre-sale stuff is already up on hellcats revenge uh that's what you would think it would be by the title it's like a biker down and dirty action picture okay uh, sort of your classic biker revenge a picture about a female gang member, biker uh, club member. They're not a gang per se, but a, a female uh, club leader gets murdered uh, by a rival, like criminal one percenter biker gang called the Vipers. Uh, and it's the female club versus the male club in the movie. So it's a lot of fight scenes and guns and things like that. So uh, Playboy centerfold uh, Lisa Neld is the is the lead lead actress in uh, uh, plays Cat in uh, Hellcat's Revenge. And for those that, uh, and I have got this, God bless you guys, everybody that's messaged me about it, uh, waiting. Uh, I've got this message a lot, especially over the last uh, years. When am I going to do a bigger role? For whatever reason, people want to see me in my picture. So when are you going to do a bigger role, Len? Hellcat's Revenge is that picture. I play All right. Snake. There we go. I, I, I am the lead villain of the movie. Nice. Uh, you can really thank uh, actress Donna Hamblin, uh, and some of the other cast members who kind of, I was not going to do it. I was going to uh, be strictly behind the camera and write the picture, much like I did for a movie I did called Angel of Reckoning. Um, I stayed behind the camera for the most part, had a little cameo, and that was that. And I was going to do that with Hellcat's Revenge. And as people were getting the script and stuff, a lot of the actors were like, well, you're, you're Snake, right, Len? And I'm like, well, no, but you have to, Len. You have to do this. It's a biker movie. And I've been a motorcycle rider my whole life, practically. So, uh, But I'm glad they convinced me to do it. I had a lot of fun doing a, a larger acting role in it. So uh, Hellcat's Revenge comes out March 13th. Uh, something that totally came out of the blue uh, back in August here, so a few months back, uh, I was presented with the opportunity to do Swamp Zombies 2. 
Oh, wow. Thought I would say, <laughs> but uh, but uh, uh, new, uh, a man named Newt from Philadelphia there wrote it. Uh, new Nirwal Films uh, wrote a script, and uh, he said, "Len, uh, you know, let me write a script for Swamp Zombies two and present it." And I said, "Well, dude, I usually write my own scripts. You can feel free to take a shot at it, but you know, if I throw it in the trash or don't read it, you know, no hard feelings or whatever." But but yeah, he wrote it. I thought it, it it's different. It's very. Uh, Running Man mixed with Survivor TV show uh, mixed with a zombie movie, so oh. it is very uh, drop jacket, a little a little Escape from New York ish in there a little bit too. So, uh, but it involves our character from Swamp Zombies One, the only returning character, Jack, uh, gets dropped into his uh, gets uh, taken out of a black ops prison that the government had put him in after Swamp Zombies One because he has to go in and save uh, or try to find this renegade contestant in a movie in a TV show called Lucky Stiffs that the producer gets Jack out of prison to go get this renegade uh, contestant. Uh, long story short, it's a little more than that, but basically it. <laughs> nice. Basically, uh, people competing for cash and prizes, but they have to survive like the zombie apocalypse in the TV show kind of thing. So uh, Jack... Uh, knows the thing or two about zombies, so he's the right man to send in for the job. So okay. uh, so Swap Zombies 2, uh, I'm actually shooting a, a scene at the Karate Dojo here in Erie, uh, Team TKO here. I'm shooting a scene uh, about three or four weeks away, and then that'll pretty much be it. It'll be a wrap on all the photography pretty much for, for Swamp Zombies 2. So right okay. now I'd say about 85%, 90% of the movie is is shot and, and completed. So uh, look for Swamp Zombies 2 probably in like May. Okay. Excellent. Uh, Orion, uh, don't, don't go nowhere. Uh, Orion, go ahead and do our little, uh, pluggy thing that we do. And then we'll say a proper goodbye to Lynn Kabazinski. Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for being on the show. Orion, do the thing. <clears throat> the approximate podcast is a dead girl production. How nice of you to join us, Mr. McQuaid. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at ApproxPod. Um, get our podcast on iTunes. Oh, God. Oh, my, oh, my tooth. Get our podcast on <laughs> iTunes to your phone's podcast app. Be sure to leave a review. Visit the mothership, ApproximatePodcast.com, whoop, whoop, for a complete list of episodes, all, all of our social media links, and merchandise. Most importantly, if you're not aware already, we have a Patreon account as well. Go to Patreon.com forward slash approximate podcast i repeat patreon.com forward slash approximate podcast and become a patron five dollars gets you access to all of our free and paid content kid burner line burner lines 817-673-3704 again way back in the cheap seats that's 817-673-3704 go ahead and drop us a line you can send us a text message or you can just leave a voicemail and we will address your questions and comments on the show uh, i guess that's it so um lynn kabazinski thank you so much for being on the show and we will talk to you later i hope you had a fun time doing this mm -hmm. and uh Dude, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming, Alan. No, th th thanks for having me. Uh, uh, I hope all the listeners enjoy the episode. Thanks, guys. Thanks, for everyone, for listening to this. Thank you guys for having me. I do it anytime. Like I said, this is this is my wheelhouse of, of, of filmmaking nice. stuff that you're talking about. So uh, uh, 
have, go in and have a great weekend. Uh, have, have, uh, hopefully you have me back any anytime. I got so much new stuff coming out all the time. Something's always going on. Uh, I forgot to uh, twitter.com slash killerwolffilms. I love interacting with fans, viewers. If you hate my work, as long as you don't come in and just say, well, then you're the worst filmmaker ever. Uh, okay, fine. But, you know, give me say why. Say my lighting sucks. <laughs> Give, give, me, give me something to go off of, though. But uh, I hope you'll check out my new works. Uh, I, I've really worked hard on a lot of techniques. So uh, I think uh, it, it started with Angel of Reckoning. So uh, if you start with that and work yourself forward, uh, the, the 2004 Len, uh, uh, Swamp Zombies Len is long gone. So, uh, but, but that's for the better, in my opinion. So uh, thanks for having me and enjoy your night, guys. So, All right. We'll see you later. Take it easy. Good night, everyone. Bye. Laters.